Awesome. I'm, and I know I'm, I've said this before, but I'm just so proud of you and everything that Thank you've you. done and you're doing and in our, in our becoming. And then this podcast is just an extension of that. I just th- feel like we're just entering into such a really dope, amazing season. And yes. I know that good things are on the horizon, even Amen. with Corona. everybody this is Issa Cosette and you are listening to Issa's Way your favorite podcast that you didn't know existed that you didn't know you needed but we're so glad you're here and this week we have a very special guest Miss Lori Michelle Taylor Oh, we, wow, when we had our connection, um, we got to see some bomba. We were at this noche de claridad, right? Mm-hmm. And you were just, and I was like also explaining to you these different connections. And then you started telling me about your journey and dance, incorporating all of the traditions and all of the different uh, and countries that you're, you're from and you've been to. So I just wanted to, you to be able to tell your story and just bring us along this journey, inspire us a little bit along this way, you sure. know, and how, you know, we get our soul moving. So tell the people a little Absolutely. bit about yourself. Wow. This is always such a strange question. Um, I have so many things to say. <laughs> I first consider myself almost like, this is a weird analogy, but like almost an octopus with tentacles. So the base of who I am is who is who really who I am, the heart and soul of me. And then I have these extensions of myself. I'm very intersectional. So um, I am Liberian American. Um, I grew up in the U.S. and the United States in the Washington, D.C., Baltimore area. Um, I had a background in dance and the performing arts ever since I was small. Like, I mean, like literally like about six years old, if, as far as I can remember. Um, and then that just segued me into a performance career, living in New York. Um, I started my own dance company, uh, Lori M. Taylor Soul Movement, which uh, we were thriving in New York for about five years. And then I had an opportunity to move out to Los Angeles and work with Debbie Allen and then have since segued my performing career into an academic career and started teaching at uh, Loyola Marymount University. And then I took a visiting professor position at Shenandoah University and most recently at University of Calgary. So I've been teaching um, around the world, traveling around the world. The performing arts and dance in particular has been such an amazing blessing and opened so many doors for me to just be exposed to what the world has to offer and combining it with my own cultural sensibility and then teaching and sharing it with others. You just answered like my first question without me even <laughs> really getting too deep into it. It's just like, yes, yes, yes. Hit all the spots because I am and this is why I do. Amazing. <laughs> so now that you have just one absorbed everything and I love the analogy of the octopus, right? Because I totally feel and agree <laughs> with being intersectional and like having so many influences with us. Yes. Um, we can just do anything we put our minds to. So absolutely. What is your transformation like with all of these cultures, all of these experiences, all of your upbringing, you know, through your dance, through your movement and academic and teaching, you know, Yes. and yoga you were mentioning earlier? Absolutely. Yeah. I just, um, I've been enrolled in a 200 hour uh, yoga teacher certification, vinyasa flow, restorative, and a few other styles as well, prenatal. Um, And so, yeah, but I guess how do I transform with all of these different sort of sensibilities living in me? Um, Well, one, as a performer, um, I just call on those experiences. And what I mean by that is I, 
I simply remember them. I embody them. They become a part of me because they're so vivid. I remember when I was a small girl, you know, and um, both traveling to Liberia as well as seeing my mother who is represented the culture, our culture so strongly in our household, which I'm so grateful for. And just everything from Zug to Sukus to Makosa music to, you know, even jazz, R&B, gospel. I grew up, I'm uh, also a believer. So I have these other dimensions to my faith and belief system as well. So just absorbing all of these things that really kind of allow me to just pull on them and allow them to become kind of what they already are and just amplify them through movement or through dialogue or whatever uh, medium I'm working in. I can imagine because when I like travel and I have felt or people like, I've met you before, I've seen you before. I'm like, this is my first time here, right? And it happens <laughs> through, um, one, one, I feel like when you said you're absorbing all of that was before you, you know, and then it's coming, I think that is very important because sometimes we tend to forget, you know, what has poured into us and we don't even remember. And now, like, for example, now that I'm a writer, you know, and I'm trying to recreate all these memories and they come through all of my actions that have been taught before me, you know? So you yes. trans transforming these movements, you like everything that your mother has taught you. That's just like empowering to see. So what do you feel like you do differently, you know, with all of these, the way that you was over, how do you feel like you put your Lori twist on it? Wow, uh, that's a great question. Um, I think the way that I, the way that I sort of amplify them in my world or in my work is um, just talking about them and being about them. Like, for example, uh, teaching and let's say, for example, in the academic setting, I'm frequently making references to Africa and the diaspora, um, even if the class or the content is not necessarily African related or diaspora related. Um, I feel that I have a responsibility as uh, a Liberian and as an artist of color, as a woman of color, to um, augment content with um, information and history and references from the African diaspora. I have a responsibility to do that as an educator, as an artist. And so, you know, just a quick example of that would be something like when I'm teaching dance aesthetics and criticism. Um, and I don't want to just speak about perspectives from, you know, a Eurocentric uh, corporal context. I want to speak about, you know, traditional rhythms, West African rhythms. I want to speak about, you know, uh, call and response. I want to speak about, you know, what are, what is some African philosophy that is often, um, let's say, has been muted from the larger narrative of dance and the arts as a whole. So I really have to dig and do my research to bring in this, these perspectives, but mostly because I feel like I have a responsibility to do so. Yeah, because I do feel it is our responsibility. And I think that it's important that we stand true to who we are. And we also be, we're also able to share this information because what we have been taught, like in the academia setting, Mm -hmm. is a Eurocentric view that pretty much uplifts only one quote-unquote nation, this sure. viewpoint of life, but there's many perspectives, and our perspective isn't taught, you know, and whenever we try to express ourselves, they try to discredit us, and so what holds me on this way, because <laughs> it is, honestly, it gets hard to be in academia, you know, and especially, like, you know, being a Black woman, you know, like you said, being a woman of color, being Liberian at that, you know, 
there are many limitations because you know that there's we are so powerful and we have a history that needs to be told. And once we tell this, we can empower others. Your dance classes, how are they taught? What is the format? Because I've never taken a dance class ever. So I would, <laughs> you know, I'm just literature. So I would, yeah, yeah. how was that setting like? I would love to sit in one of those classes. Well, I'll give you an example. So I, I had the opportunity and I'm so grateful to recently work with Madame Angelique Kijo, Mama Africa, and a great friend of mine, Michael Olatuja, who's a great bass player, uh, musician, Nigerian-British uh, uh, musician. And I worked on a video shoot um, for a video, an upcoming project. Anyway, but in that process, the day before, a couple of days before we have rehearsals. So I run my professional work just like I do when I'm in the studio, whether I'm with my company or whether I'm working, again, like I said, in an academic setting. So it basically would start off with mostly conversation. I come in, I'm talking, I'm chatty just like now because again, you know, you, we want to talk about sort of this, this cultural sensibility being infused, you know, while I'm a very serious person in terms of my profession, I also value the cultural aspect of, you know, um, the community and this idea of breaking down walls and barriers so that people can ultimately bring them true, their true selves to the table um, before you even begin to move. So just talking, hey guys, how are you doing today? Oh my God, the weather, you know, all oh, the traffic, you know, so it's very communal. It's almost like, you know, you, you're making market somewhere, you're going making market or you're going, how, how are you? You're going into town. So that sense of the cultural sensibility, that's where it finds itself. It's with ease. It's with, um, it's very natural. And I will break, sort of break the ice, the, the seriousness in a way of it through that uh, communication and that human connection. And then secondly, we'll go into warm up. We just start getting in our bodies. And I often use a lot of, like I said, movement from the diaspora combined with my modern and European training. So I have a fusion sensibility that allows people to execute sort of what will be considered like high, high art, quote unquote, but that's another dis discussion. But anyway, you know, high art movement, if you will, and technique with the African diaspora sort of grounded sensibilities. So I kind of fuse these ideas, get people really warm in their bodies, moving their hips, moving their shoulders, undulating their back and spine, calling on these uh, sensibilities and ideas from the diaspora um, as the class and everyone becomes more comfortable. And as people get comfortable to be themselves, right? That's being inspired by your movements, inspired by your tradition, inspired by your teaching. Um, how do you, let's say, encourage them, you know, to find their own movements? Like what, have you, have you, have you had one of those students that you've taught them something and they've just put their twist on it? What was like that moment? Like to see them, how do you know? You know, cause you know, like, you know, someone has really learned or understood something when, they can explain it back to you in their own words, right? So Absolutely. if you give a movement, right? And you say, this is how I was taught or this is where we're going. Have you had a student or something kind of challenge that or what, or how was that play like in that classroom mm -hmm. setting? Uh, well, two, two examples of that. One is um, I l actually love when that happens because it means that uh, like you're saying, I, I heard you kind of using the word or about to say language, like the movement language. And that's exactly what it is. It's vocabulary. It's movement vocabulary. Um, and um, I've had students, two sides of the coin. I've had people who've been very resistant in some cases, especially initially, um, if it's outside of their level of comfort and movement or outside of their perception of what they think um, the movement should be. 
Um, I've experienced that a lot um, in certain uh, settings where people didn't know what to expect. And so they often don't move out of fear. And so I've had to help them by um, normalizing this idea of moving the hips and normalizing these things that are considered, again, in a Eurocentric context, kind of um, sinful or savage, even, you know, words like that, primitive, that come up often in the dance world. Yes, even today, in this day and age, people will still use uh, language like that to discuss African diaspora movement. And so, you know, part of bringing this level of comfortability, unfortunately, is just a part of you know, as some aspects of white privilege and having to um, tone down certain things to make other cultures feel comfortable. But I also find that, I also find that I see that as a problem, but it also makes me solution oriented as an artist. How can I both break through barriers and bring comfortability without downplaying or sacrificing my own art or culture? Um, it's a fine line. Um, mentioning, you know, breaking those barriers and walking that walk, who are, you know, who have been like your top three role models that you felt have broken barriers that are helping you lead this journey and continue to do the same? Um, there is, uh, there are a couple people, but if I had to say three, um, of course, I can't not have this conversation and not say Catherine Dunham. Um, I have to say Catherine Dunham, just to give a shout out to the legacy, people like Dr. Pearl Primus, um, who I think Dr. Pearl Primus was actually born in Trinidad. Here's a little fun fact about Dr. Pearl Primus. Um, if your audience doesn't know, they can Google who, Google who she is, Pearl Primus. She was actually the artistic director of the Kinninja Performing Arts Center in Liberia in the late 1950s. Yes, it no longer exists. But um, it's in the same, it was in the same area and region as the Kininja Resort area and things like that are, that is there today in Monrovia. But anyway, Dr. Primus, who was born in Trinidad and Tobago, she uh, was the artistic director there in the late 1950s. Um, so giving honor to those dancers uh, from earlier parts of my movement legacy. And I would say another person is, um, Someone like Louis Johnson. Uh, Louis Johnson is a choreographer who choreographed The Wiz, the one with Michael Jackson, okay? <laughs> and because this was the first time in the mainstream that we saw Black vernacular movement and European, uh, you know, sort of classical movement, again, having this fusion identity, this fusion sensibility, and then being presented on the big screen. A lot of people hadn't really seen that. Um, with black dance and so you know this idea that a black dancer could be both classically trained and then call on vernacular black whether that be african-american or, or african you know again african diaspora movement so someone like lewis johnson um and then thirdly i would say like somebody like my mom like <laughs> yes mama my mom, mommy is very strong my mom shout out to uh lillian ray Taylor, Lillian, Lillian Ray Lanta, they call her Auntie Ray, back home in Liberia, everybody call her Auntie Ray. But my mom is one of the strongest women I know, by far one of the strongest women I know, and has endured so much and so many things. And um, as I grow older, I just, um, I'm so grateful and appreciative of her journey and thankful that how her life has literally, she, she didn't just bore me, but she shaped me as well.
shaped my personality. I like that being born, being shaped, being molded, being transformed, because I yes. feel like that's what it's like the key right here with you, especially in this conversation, is that transformation, you know? Yes. Um, and I think that goes back to that responsibility of understanding um, what has come before us, what needs to be continued and what needs to go um, for the future. Because if we don't embrace what and who we are, you know, others won't be able to do the same, you know? So you're breaking barriers, you're moving, you're inspiring people because all of your messages are very informative that you share online and very cultural and very intersective. And that is beautiful to see those connections. I'm like, if I would have known that that world could have just, I'm I'm happy that I ended up where I needed to because in this, you know, literary world, I'm able to learn so much and touch so much and read so much. And, you know, and even my own uh, personal interest is like, dancing bomba you know connected me to my own liberian roots and also african-american i feel like at one point um i used to be so focused on just trying to be african-american because of like other you know challenges growing up and then it came to a point where like no 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 no. exactly i gotta do all liberian because you know we gotta like connect and then now that i live in this creolized space i understand that I am everything that is all in me, you know, the African-American, well, not just African, but the Liberian-American, you know, because we yes. have a home that we it's can call. Spe- we can it is point. very specific as well, right? It's mm-hmm. a different thing. Yes. Yeah. It's a very, Liberian identity, as you well know, is yeah. very unique and very complex as well. Very complex. Um, that's like, so, but anyway, <laughs> but <laughs> exactly. yeah, it's very complex and, but it is specific, you know, a lot of times when people think about Africa and, you know, shout out to the diaspora, shout out to all the Nigerians, especially, you know, I'm, I'm here in the U.S. right now currently, um, but I was recently in Ghana for Afrochella, year of return, and, you know, just so many people from all over the diaspora, you know, from South Africa, from Namibia, you know, Somali people, Ethiopian, um, and then, of course, you know, um, first generation Americans, or maybe they would call themselves that, I, you know, it just, the language is you know, uh, multifaceted here to describe us. We're all like, we're like global citizens, you know? Pretty um, much. <laughs> but I love, I love how you use that word, like living in a Creole society. It's like the Creolization of, of people and culture. Um, so that's, um, again, along the lines of that sort of intersectional conversation as well. We're all connected. And once we realize that, we'll be able to, you know, move forward all together but I think we're so focused on these differences but also our differences do make us unique and once again it allows us to enter certain spaces um so it's kind of hard like should we 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 just celebrate who we are like you know you don't just say just your differences or similarities we just celebrate what we are and we be and and who ever you know can move forward with that should move forward with that I know you have a poem to share with us today I do. Oh my gosh, are we at the poem already? (laughs) So this is um, For Women Who Are Difficult to Love by Warson Shire. Uh, She's a um, Somali-British writer. You are a horse running alone, and he tries to tame you, compares you to an impossible highway, to a burning house, says you are blinding him, that he could never, never leave you, forget you, want anything but you. You dizzy him, you are unbearable, 
every woman before or after you is doused in your name. You fill his mouth. His teeth ache with memory of taste. His body, just a long shadow seeking yours. But you are always too intense, frightening in the way you want him, unashamed and sacrificial. He tells you that no man can live up to the one who lives in your head. And you tried to change him, didn't you? Closed your mouth more, tried to be softer, prettier, less volatile, less awake. But even when sleeping, you could feel, you could feel him traveling away from you in his dreams. So what did you want to do? Love, split his head open? You can't make homes out of human beings. Someone should have already told you that. And if he wants to leave, then let him leave. You are terrifying and strange and beautiful. Something not everyone knows how to love. Yes. That's it. I just felt that I'm like, oh, that's... <sighs> <laughs> like I feel like at one point we were me we were both like floating like you're like sprung back and I'm just like oh wow, wow she's a I great poet isn't she listen mm -hmm. I wanted to tell you I love this poem because it's me mm -hmm. in many ways yeah oh yeah it's me and it's it's people have told me you know oh you're too much or you're intense and some men are like wildly attracted to it until they realize. I don't know what to do with her. And, exactly. then other, and then other men are, you know, of course it's, it's intimidating for them. Um, and, and I've gotten to a point where I really just embrace who I am. I understand that this is the way that God made me. Um, I'm malleable. I'm able to make modifications because I, I am still teachable, but I'm also not going to be pigeonholed or compartmentalized even by a man. So, um, I'm just hoping that my husband is out there. Poem right there. <laughs> right, right there. sing his <laughs> But yes. um, I would like to marry and become a wife and have children. And, you know, in whatever capacity that happens, um, uh, by God's grace, I'm grateful. And it will, because this guy in the background. Look at this, speaking <laughs> of this guy. I was in denial, girl. Like, this was, like, not even the thing for me. And so I feel like, you as you continue to move forward in your journey you as you continue to let your light shine and not conform and just shine you know and just be you the man who is supposed to be there you know will lead and guide and take your hand and be gentle enough with you or be terrifying enough with you right but enough to just because love is terrifying sometimes because Absolutely. it's really a reflection of yourself like that has been one of the hardest things i've realized because um you just find you just find yourself maybe like wanting to criticize them or feeling like something and then you just like oh well that's something that i do that i need to fix too right right well you know you know you low-key need to do um a segment uh, like a relationship series <laughs> why i you need to do a few you need to do a series on relationships I, i'm just putting that tossing that out there for you <laughs> we'll we'll get there maybe i think i think i like running from now i don't know uh... <laughs> It's so funny because it's just like, I'm, I'm so scared of love, right? But it's been like one of, yeah, girl, ooh, I used to have <laughs> trust issues with this man. And it's crazy because, oh God, like, uh, I'm like, woo, like, I just got like, right, wind it back, like reel it in. Right. So yes, that, that poem is you.
you know, you aren't just difficult to love. These men are just difficult and don't know how to love you. Okay. Come on now. That's so. what I say. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't know what to do. The right man will know what to do with you. I'm telling you, he really will. <laughs> Lori, how are you on your way? Wow. Um, this is such an esoteric question. <laughs> how am I on my way? I am on my way gracefully. I am on my way powerfully. I am on my way lovingly and I'm on my way with guidance. I'm just really letting God lead me each and every single day. That is, yeah. That's perfect. That's how it should be. And I feel like the even the first one you said by grace, it's just like, yes, you know, <laughs> like I see it. I can feel it. You're moving forward. No setbacks, no limitations. Nothing will stop you, you know. Um, but yeah, no limitations will, will stop you because, you know, I, you, you're saying about me being part of my journey, but I'm super inspired by you and seeing oh, what you're doing internationally you. and just, you know, with your soul, your soul moving, even, I don't, we didn't even get to talk about that really, but you know, people okay. look her up. <laughs> <laughs> can they tell the people where can they connect with you? Yeah. Um, please get on IG. You can find me on Instagram. My full name, Lori Michelle Taylor. That's L-A-U-R-I-E, Michelle Taylor, Lori Michelle Taylor. Um, that's really the best way to find me. I haven't been on Facebook as much. Um, I do want to say quickly that um, follow me on IG. I have so many amazing things coming up. Um, I'm working on um, some wellness uh, tinctures and other products to strengthen us during this COVID season, as well as just to live healthier going forward in life. And I'm also working on some creative life strategy sessions. I have some workshops coming up. So come visit me on IG, Lori Michelle Taylor. Um, stop by the page, shoot me a DM, and I'd love to add you to my mailing list and I'll get some information to you about those workshops. Yes, I'm over here like, yes, I want to sign up. Yes, I'm going to subscribe. <laughs> okay, yes, I need to because I'm all for it. I'm all for healing. I'm all for the wholeness and I'm all yes. <sighs> for just being complete, you know? Oh man, and just connecting with many Absolutely. more like minded souls, you know, because it's like, I don't know. I think I used to run from it, you know, and now I'm just like, this is, this is what you've been called to do. This is what, you know, connects you with others. Yep. So, oh yes. Absolutely. So follow her. Yes. Stay tuned to these workshops. I will be excited. Probably your first student to sign up. Yes, definitely. Already. Um, wow. Lori, thank you so much for just sharing thank your story you, with Sam. me for just taking a little bit of your time. I hope yeah. this isn't the last time we get to talk on here. No, listen, you can look, you call me anytime off the record and then yes. anytime on there. You want me back on the show? I yes. am there. Please awesome. let me know. Yes. Can, right now, the only thing I'm doing when I leave, I'm finished packing up. I'm going to eat my cassava leaf. I'll fix cassava Yum. leaf and rice. I fixed fufu and soup yesterday. Oh, wow. <laughs> she not playing. Oh, yeah. I'm going to pull up. Yeah, yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for just staying on this journey with all of us. And I hope you guys continue to walk forward unafraid. Until next time, be blessed.